Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Canesport.com's Reflections as we take a walk down memory lane with some former Cane greats. And uh, today's episode, we're going to be visiting with Stephen McGuire, a running back that many of you will remember from the late 1980s and early 1990s when he was the workhorse in Dennis Erickson's revolutionary one back that everybody seems to run these days, want to run these days rather. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of canesport.com, and I'm uh, joined by my co-host Bruce Warner and, of course, uh, Stephen McGuire. And, uh, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Gary. Yeah, thanks, Gary. We're going to go back and talk about your playing days in a minute, but um, you've got some very topical subject matter that we should definitely address first. And uh, you're living up there in Hempstead, New York, up in Long Island. And somehow, some way, in, in the past few weeks, you picked up the coronavirus and have been uh, yes. dealing with that recently. And um, obviously, it's a it's a big deal up in New York. Um, I was I was reading. This morning, actually, that there's more people in New York that have coronavirus than any country in the world, which is just absolutely amazing. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what this has been like for you and, and, and when you how you how you think you might have gotten it and and what it felt like when you when you realized you had it and what the the um, the recent days have been like for you. OK, um, well, on March 23rd, uh, March 23rd, I think that was a Monday or uh Monday night, uh, I, I went to, uh, no, 24th, I'm sorry, uh, it was a Tuesday. I came home from work, I was feeling fine. Next thing you know, I started coughing and sneezing all late last, all late during the night. So my wife, she got out, she hauled ass out the room because, <laughs> you know, uh, of, of me coughing and sneezing. And the, the following day, I went down to a, a first responder down in Jones Beach, and I got tested. And then two days later, found out I was positive. And um, ever since then, you know, uh, like maybe five days ago, I, I was locked up inside my bedroom, isolated, just eating chicken noodle soup and uh, ginger tea, and you know, and and dealing with the back aches, and headaches, and you know, just feeling fatigued. Probably 15 hours of the day, just being real tired. But you know. I was lucky enough that you know my breathing was 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 pretty good when I called my doctor, and I told him my first thing he asked me was um, how was my breathing situation, and and I told him I was breathing fine. I I didn't have no chest complication, you know, no 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 tightness in my chest or nothing like that. So he just told me to treat it treat it just like a normal uh, flu. Just keep keep doing what you're doing, and uh, now I'm pretty much healthy. Yeah. So how do you think you got it to his wife? Huh? Oh wow! You gave it to your wife. Yeah, huh? yeah. I, I think he might be the first person in the world with the Ramona virus, not the coronavirus. <laughs> so Ramona has it now. So if she wasn't with well, you, you gave it to her. She's good now. She's, she's good now too. 
Yeah, the first night I was coughing, she hauled ass out the bedroom, you know, because she left me. So, <laughs> so how do you think you got it? got it? It was either probably on the train, no, you know, the train, eat at work, you know, because back, you know, they were telling you back then not to wear a mask. Now they're telling you to wear a mask, you know. So, you know, I was riding along on the railroad train. There was no social distancing nowhere, you know, so who knows, you know. I'm, you know, and and then then and then that night when I got it, I got an email or, or um, a, a Facebook text saying that you know one of my friends, a coworker, died, and I was like, man, you know, that's when I really started getting scared, you know, because he he was the same age as me. He played basketball for St. John's University at the time. Wow, Lee, Lee Green, yeah, good. Dude. And he died of coronavirus. He from, yes. Oh yes, my goodness! Young, young dude, yeah. And so you had heard about that before you felt sick. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that made you scared. So um, normally, <laughs> if you were feeling the same way and this whole coronavirus thing hadn't come up, would you have thought that maybe you just had a bad cold or something, or what? What? Yeah, what do you, pretty what much. You... Yeah. Only thing that's different is is the aches, you know, that the body mm-hmm. aches. And the headaches, you know. But you know, besides that, it's just like the normal flu to me, you know. And, and you know, guys was calling me up: Warren Sapp, Ryan, Ryan Collins, Coleman Bell, Ryan McNeil, Alonzo Highsmith. They were all calling me up, you know, telling me to hang in there. Sapp called me almost every other day, just make sure I was doing the right thing, Eat, eating my soup, drinking my tea, almost, you know. Yeah, and, and Stephen nope. told me, and Gary, Stephen told me that he uh, he didn't go to a hospital, so he's home, so he had no access to oxygen or anything like that, like yeah. other coronavirus patients have, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I, I just stayed at home because the hospitals here they're in pretty bad situations. You know, most of the time, you know, people go to hospitals here, and the coronavirus is, 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 is I know, like in East Elmhurst, it's a real bad. Uh, situation with that virus going on inside that hospital, you know, so mm-hmm. you know, I, I decided just to stay home and isolate myself and thank God I got better, you know. So at what point do you decide I better call the doctor? Uh, <laughs> um, I think it was the second day, you know, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with, with the body aches and then my job just told me to call my doctor just to give, you know, to make sure that everything is okay. So when I called him, and, um, you know, he just said, said what I said earlier, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, as far as no tightness in your chest, you're good to go. So I was lucky, you know, for being healthy. But, you know, I've I seen healthy people get real sick too, you know, so. So are you are you waiting around for them to tell you or if you tell them you're better, can you go back well, to work or you have to sit around and wait for this whole thing to clear up? <laughs> well, 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 today we – Today my job just called me, so I'm going to figure out something. And that um, it's been 14 days, more than 14 days, so uh, I'm probably not going back to work. But I probably got, think I got to get tested again to make sure I'm not, you know, positive. You know, so you need two negatives, I think. Huh? You need two negatives. You need to show two negatives before you can really yeah. get back out there. And obviously, yeah, you're going to wear gloves and a mask. I'm assuming. Uh, definitely, yeah, always, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. all right. So, so you call the doctor and he tells you you better go get tested, 
And 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 what was the mm-hmm. testing experience? Tell us about the testing experience. Oh, uh, well, you drive up to the, the to the test site over there in Jones Beach, and uh, you know, you, you, I was a first responder, so I didn't need a, a, a appointment. So, so they let me go through, and I um, showed them my ID and everything, give them my address, and they stick a little plastic thing up your nose, and, and it makes you cough and. Uh, it's weird, and, and you know it goes all the way back up into your nostrils, and and that's pretty much it. And then two days later, you go online and you put up the test results, and it came back positive. Mm-hmm. So, and no medicine or anything. Your doctor just said stay home and quarantine. No, well, I was just taking Tylenol. Tylenol, mm-hmm. that, that was it. Just for the fever. Oh, so it's been what I, I guess about two, um, two weeks now. You've been just sitting yeah. in your bedroom over there. Yep, two weeks eating soup and ginger tea. Lost a lot of weight, but I'm, I think I'm trying to gain gain it back now. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us don't laugh, like you're gonna start coughing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, no. don't laugh, man, because you know I spoke to you before. You started coughing, so don't, yeah, we don't yeah, need yeah. you coughing. Uh-huh. I'm good. So tell us what that was I'm like, good, just sitting man. in the bedroom, sitting in the bedroom all day. What oh. was that like? It was pretty much torture, man. You know, you, you can't leave the room. They dropping the food at the door, knocking on the door, and you know, you got to pick the food up and close the door real quick. It, it was torture just sitting inside of, you know, sitting inside for fourteen, fifteen days, being isolated, just watching the same old crappy TVs, no sports on, going crazy. You know, oh. But somewhere along sad. the way, you gave it to your <laughs> wife, huh? Yeah. How, tell us how that, how you think that happened. I think she got it the first night when I was coughing and sneezing all over the place. Hmm. Oh, man. And then, uh, and then she got it, and she went upstairs and isolated herself up, uh, upstairs in her room. So my daughter started taking care of both of us. And surprisingly, not, she didn't get it, you know, which is just weird, you know. She's 20 years old, and just, she didn't get it. You know, she was taking care of both of us inside the house. So well, That's good. Yeah. But you were in you know, separate areas of the weird. house, huh? You've been in separate areas yep. of the house the last two weeks? Separate wow. areas, yep. She was upstairs and I was downstairs. Based on what I've been hearing from um, some of the guys on the message boards that we have at canesport.com who've been reflecting on their their experiences, I mean, I think there's a lot of married couples up there that, that after being in quarantine now for three, four weeks, um, wouldn't object too much to that, but, um, you know, some obviously <laughs> not, but, 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 man, that must have been bizarre. You're on one side of the house, your wife's on the other. Um, did you talk yeah. to each other at all? What did you do, call each other on the phone? Oh, only through the door and, and, and FaceTime video. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was weird. We were just FaceTime ourselves at night saying goodnight and, and stuff like that. And, you know, get better and I love you. You know, it, it, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, and your son is down here, so he's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, he's good. Right. He's yeah, I talked to him. Yeah. So he's you're both starting to feel better? Down. Yes, much better, man, much better. We ventured out to the store a couple of days ago just to get some fresh air, and, and you know, just to get out, get out the house, and you know, we had our we had our mask on and our gloves on, and you know, just to get out the house, just for just to get some fresh air. <laughs> well, that's good. Here, can you imagine Caesar walking around with a mask in Newark? You probably get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's go take a walk. Here, <laughs> let's go take a walk down memory lane now, Stephen, for a few. Oh, and um, you okay. know, it, it, I remember how you became a Hurricane, and uh, I, I guess it was Jimmy Johnson was was recruiting Vinny Testaverde at the time, and I believe he was up there in New York for I think it was Newsday was the newspaper back then that did the, a, a Player yeah. of the Year banquet or something and he was up there he was he was, he, um, he was um, they were honoring Vinny for winning the the 1986 Heisman was what it was and he met you there you were um, I guess you were getting an award at that banquet of, uh, or, or something along those yeah. lines and, and and he met you there at the banquet and he offered you a scholarship yeah. um, sight unseen like without ever having watched you play football tell us that story yes I tell people that story all the time, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But I told them that's how Coach Johnson was. You know, that I went there. Um, I met, I met Bo Jackson. I met, um, you know, Vinny Testaverde, Archie Griffin. You know, um, you know, it, 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 I met them. So I, got, I go to meet Coach Johnson. He's like, oh, you know, I was supposed to send a coach up there to come talk to you. And, uh, you know, I think it was a storm or whatever, and coach never got a chance. So then, you know, we was talking, and he told me about Fork Union Military Academy. It's the same school that the Verde went to. He said, yeah, you go here for a year, and, you know, and you know, you come to the University of Miami, and you still have four more years left. So that was a better option than going to junior college, I thought, you know. So that's what I did, but not knowing – you know, that he's a man of his word. I got my SAT scores up. I called him up personally, and he took the phone call, which I was <laughs> which I was shocked because the man just won the national championship. Hmm. And he had a flight for me. He said, I'm going to get you on the next flight out of there and come down and visit. I called my coach up. He was kind of upset because, he wanted to be involved, but I did it all on my own. And um, he got me on the next flight down to Miami. I visited. And after that, I signed my scholarship. I was supposed to stay down there originally, but things didn't work out during that semester. So I had to come back home and, 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 and get a job and then start working out. And then in, then in August, that's when I came down here. Story story. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how that story went down, you know. It was, it was, it was a, you know, he he could have told me no, you know. It was there was no promissory note. There was no hand, you know. There was a handshake, but you know, the man probably shakes hands thousands of times at that time, you know. And I'm I'm, I'm I sure he must, have, he must have seen film on you in, in between all that period of time before you got down there. He must have seen you. I don't think my coach, my, no. Well, no. Never sent, um, the wow. film? no. He never watched he never the did. film. Yeah. Never watched well, the it, film. I mean, it obviously was a pretty darn good decision by Jimmy because um, you came down here, um, a man on a mission, and uh, when you graduated, you were the second all-time leading rusher in school history with uh, 1,953 yards. But you were just an absolute terror in, in, in the, the rest of the yeah, I know. I, know. I, said, <laughs> I mean, you were you, you were lethal in the red zone. I mean, you you still hold the school record for career rushing touchdowns with thirty five. Oh, yeah. Um, un, 
unfortunately, your rushing record, uh, because Jimmy and these oh. guys kept recruiting after you left, on, you know, and you had guys like Edron James and James Jackson and Clinton Portis, um, Clinton Portis. And Willis, oh. Willis McGahee, Frank Gore. Yeah. You know, they, they, oh, they started recruiting you. a little bit better, so you're presently number <laughs> yeah. 13 um, on the career rushing list after once being number two. I'll take that. Um, but nobody scored more touchdowns than you, Stephen. Not even close. And uh, so you, you know, you might have that sometime. Um, so you know, obviously, a lot to be be proud of from from your playing career. Um, so let's Definitely. go there. And um, you know, Br- Bruce and I obviously had the the great pleasure of watching every single one of your games and and know about all the great things that that you did. When you look back on your hurricane career, what what's your fondest memory? You know, being with the guys, you know, the, you know, the camaraderie, just being in the locker room, hanging out, you know, not having the bills to worry about, not having, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or you just go to, you know, Bruce, we hungry. You know, come to Bruce's house, we eat. Have a, you, you could know, say that now, but you couldn't say it back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go to Bruce's house and enjoy ourselves and, you know. Life was so much easier back then, man, I tell you, man. You know, when me and Lamar and Colin Harris were just talking, you know, I was the only one back that, that lasted out of that whole recruiting class that graduated, that that, that came in with me. I'm going to tell you, though, T.K. Dorsey, Bellamy Roberts, Terrell Jackson, and Kevin Gibbs, who passed away, and me. I was the only one that lasted. Everybody else transferred. Kevin Gibbs passed away. Uh Terrell went to Florida. L.A. went to um, Stanford. I don't know where T.K. Dorsey went. I, I think he went to Rutgers. But all that whole class, so that just goes to show you that all that recruiting, ESPN top 150 and all that other stuff doesn't mean too much. It all comes from the heart, you know. Find me, me the players that want to go to the, go to the University of Miami and, and play. So well, you, you, you were the epitome of playing with heart, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, those, those games against Florida State were really epic. And uh, as Gary knows, <laughs> he was there, I was there, and, uh, and everybody in the stadium knew you were going to get the ball, and they still couldn't stop you. That was the, that was the straight – I mean, you guys, you know, you had a good passing offense, but on all those short yardage downs, everybody knew you were going to get the ball, and it didn't matter. And you told a story when you were doing the show, and you could tell it again about what happened during practice when you were playing against our defensive line, and you really couldn't get anywhere, oh. how much easier it was. And so tell everybody what that was about, because people don't understand how the hell could you get the ball, and they all know you're getting it, and you stay still couldn't stop you. Oh, my freshman year, I tell you, it was uh, <laughs> listen to the defensive line. It was uh, Shane Curry, Willis Pegues, Jimmy Jones, Cortez Kennedy, Russell Maryland, Bill <laughs> Bill Hawkins, and uh, I'm trying to think. Did I miss anybody? And then, 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 then you had the linebackers. You had Bernard Clark, Roy Carter. Then you had Bobby Harden. Uh, Bubba McDowell in the, in the secondary. So, so me getting two yards against that defensive line, and we, when, when all we used to do, I, I swear, was do short yardage, short yardage and goal line offense against the number one team, number one defense in the country at that time. <laughs> so every Tuesday and Wednesday was go, was, was full go, and guys used to step to the back of the line. You can see you can see Ellery Roberts, T.K. Dorsey, all the guys. <laughs> they stopped stepping to the back because it was full go. You know, 
Coach, Coach Davis used to promise them, if these guys score a touchdown, y'all guys are going to run. So what you think Cortez and, and Russell Maryland and those big guys, they ain't want to run, so they will turn it up against, you know, Mario Cristobal, Diego London, you know, those guys are freshmen trying to block. You got two first-round defensive linemen out there. So just imagine how tough that was, you know. But it was crazy. But you stepped to the front of the line, huh? Yeah, I had to, you know what I'm saying? -hmm. I had had crazy Coach Joseph and and Coach Davis screaming at me. So no matter what, they was like, McGuire, get in there and run the ball. And you know what? I actually took pride on being, you know, the star running back. They said, like, you're going to wear number number five, whoever the star running back for that team was that time, you know. I, I took pride in that, you know, because now, you know, the coaches are looking at me saying that, you know, this guy's actually doing doing what he's supposed to do on the scout team. So, you know, I took pride in that, and and I just went to work. See, well, they rewarded you. Things... Yeah, I was going to say they rewarded them. I mean, you, you, had, you got 106 carries in your first season. 519 yeah. yards, 4.9 yards in attempt. You put up a 136-yard game against East Carolina. And then the greatest thing mm-hmm. of all, Stephen, is after the Canes dismantled Notre Dame, 27-10, to 10, Notre Dame was number one in the country at that time. They put you on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And, man, <laughs> what the heck? I can't even begin to imagine what that was like as a young kid, just getting going in college football, and you're on the cover of SI, which was a big deal back then. Talk <laughs> about that. Oh, that was big. Well, I'll never forget when I went to practice. All I heard was Cortez saying, SI, SI. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, because I didn't even, you know, I didn't pay attention. You know, I, I was, you know, after the game, you know, the cover comes out. And back then, we didn't get sports illustrated, but obviously somebody mailed it in. So Cortez kept saying, S-I, 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 dog, S-I, dog. I'm like, what the hell is Cortez talking about? Then that, 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 somebody showed me the picture. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and then, you know what, still to this day, I still get the covers for Sears sent to my house. I don't know how they found, me, found my address, but they sit in here, I sign it, and, you know, God bless. And if, if that makes somebody happy, and then... That's it, you know. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool story. Yeah, and and yeah. what Gary and I had talked about during the season, this past season, probably the last couple of seasons, doing the Kane Sport Live Show, is is playing the ones against the ones. Now, if you would have been playing against the two defense at the time, I don't know if you would have had any confidence to go out there and do these things that you did against like the likes of Florida State. But when you oh, play against the oh, ones, and that's what we keep talking about, and, and it's like, we, I didn't, I didn't, I think it should be mandatory, but I don't see that coming from these coaches nowadays. Yeah, it's totally different now. When I went to watch them practice, I guess I guess with all the um, concussion stuff, there's only a certain amount of time that they can hit and wrap up and all this other nonsense. But, you know, like you said, we always played against the ones, you know, ones against the ones, and that's how we're going to get better. You know, going against Jesse Armstead, Darren Smith, Michael Barrow, you know, those guys are, you know, top top linebackers, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, going against those guys and, and going against the Mark Caesars on defense, trying to rip your head off, you know, that was that was her king football back then, just battling against the ones and the ones. Yeah. Well, I used to go down to watch the practices and the scrimmages, and you I guys know. could hardly move the ball. I remember watching yeah. it, and I remember saying to my friends, you know, 
and we would say, they're going to get killed. And you went up and yeah. scored 51 <laughs> points against Wisconsin because that's just the way it was. Your defense was yep. so dominant. But yep. it, didn't, it didn't affect your confidence at all. You destroyed Wisconsin. Yeah, that's what I got. Yep, I know. <laughs> I never forget that. <laughs> right. It all right, so, good, but hey. So year two, year two, year two mm-hmm. it's the fourth game of the season. Florida State comes to town. Um, they actually were number two in the country at the time. Uh, we were number nine. You got 80,000-plus fans in the stands in the Orange Bowl. And that, Stephen, from and I and I remember this when the stakes were the highest. That's when Stephen McGuire was at his best. And you put up, um, I, I, I think it was about a hundred and it was it was a hundred and seventy six yards on thirty one carries in that game. Um, Dennis mm. Dennis made you the workhorse of the offense. He said, "We're gonna." We're going to beat these guys to a pulp and just kept pounding mm-hmm. the rock and pounding the rock. And, and the, the amazing thing I remember about that game is, you know, Dennis was made his reputation as a passing game guy. Like, you know, he was, you know, we realize it now as we watch everybody run the spread, but Dennis was way ahead mm-hmm. of his time. Like he was really running the spread, um, you know, back then. And um, he was yeah. known as a, as a passing game guy. And he comes into the, it, 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 this big game. I mean, it was huge in Florida state in the full stadium and he just kept pounding the ball with you and um and you just killed him 176 yards what do you remember from that day oh you know my motivation for, for, for that game was i remember the year before bernard Clark, dexter carter put a flag on top of his head and made the covers for history and <laughs> and i remember those guys dancing over there on the sideline that year we lost with you know went up there and I was only lost, and we lost that game. I'll never forget that. I hated them because they were dancing on the sideline. They put the flag on type of tiger hat, and I said to myself, I said, I'm never going to lose these guys again. So the next year, he, 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 Coach Erickson gave me the ball. I, like you said, I, I, I know with 31 carries, 176 yards. You know, I think at halftime I had like 80 or 90 yards already at halftime. Which is unheard of against that against that number one. I think I had like the number two defense in the country at that time. That's you did, but you know that's what motivated me though. People don't realize that. You know, I, I hated them. I hated them with a passion. <laughs> well, you did it again. The next what was the year? final score of that game? Uh, um, it was like thirty-one. Thirty-one nothing. Nah, 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 nah. nah. It was, was um, eighty-eight. It was like 31-24 uh, or something like that. And I think yeah, they scored that, a late touchdown. Yeah, the, the 31-22 yeah. is the game I'm talking about. Yeah, something 31-22. Like yeah. But then you did it again the next year. We go to Florida State. Oh. Um, they're number one in the country. We're number two in the country. It was the wide right game where, where they where they missed the field. But you scored the winning touchdown in that game. You put 142 mm-hmm. yards on them again. Yeah, this time 142. <laughs> and... And then they end up missing the field goal that would have won the game, and 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 the Canes went to number one in the country um, a, after that one, and and actually went on to 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 win the national title. The national title. championship. Yep. But but you know, Stephen, I mean, the th- the thing I also remember, and and it really, it, I mean, I'm I'm sure that this just absolutely still grains on you all these many years later. Um, 
it was, I think it was the next game against Boston College. You got hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, like my roommate Mark used to say, I was running through rooms like hot butter through your teeth. You know, but then, <laughs> you know, this is that I got hurt, you know. I had like, I had like 60 or 70 yards, I think, in the first 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 quarter or something like that, and I was killing them, man. And, and, and Leon took Leon took me to the stage and said, man, why didn't you just run out of bounds? You was right there, you know, why you trying to make the cutback? So, you know. But, you know, things happen in life. You know, I'm good. You know, I got my health, you know, and, and, and you know, my family. I got another two more years before I retire. And, you know, all is good. Yeah, and that, was, great, a tough, that was a tough week, Stephen, because we had talked yeah. – Stephen and I have gone to dinner, and we talked about him maybe leaving after his junior yeah. year. And yeah. uh, and then that happened. So yeah. it was ironic. that it was, it was it was terrible. It was kind of like Bratton, you know. And, yeah, and, exactly. and, and, and McGahee yep. is the same thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah. And and it never it, it never came back for you that you know I mean you played uh, you played as a senior, but it, yeah. it, it was it, I, I it, it never that, really really know. really repaired for you did it? Nah, never did. You know I think you know I had three major knee ligaments. You know it, it was somewhat almost a little bit. I know Rusty's was like four ligaments he, he, he tore in, in his leg, so mine was like three. You know so you know. It was just one of those things that things happen in life, and you know you go on, and, you know, and enjoy the time, the memories, and have a Bruce and and the guys on the team, and that's it, you know. But you came back the following year, and it was Wybright too, and that yeah. was and that was a fun week because that was the week that I brought Chris Fowler over to meet with yeah. you <laughs> and, and Caesar and Hambone and Calvin, <laughs> and to this day. Chris Fowler says that's the greatest interview he ever had that nobody will ever see. It's even in the Sports Illustrated article that they did on Chris Fowler. He said that. Remember that, Steve? Yeah, I remember. And he was all about Florida State kicking your ass. And by the end of the night, we spent three hours up there in Steve's apartment. (laughs) By the end of the night, the next day, he went on that show, the pregame show, and he picked Miami because he was convinced that they were not afraid of these guys. Right, Steve? Mm -hmm. Yep. And they won. That was wide right, too. Wide, yep. Exactly, yep. So Steve, that I mean, was a great memory, the, and then, then you know, then they they wound up playing Texas in the Cotton Bowl, and that was a wild game too. I mean, that was a great <laughs> way to finish a career. Stephen coming out before the game, he was taunting. If you see the videos, Gary, he was right there in the middle of the field, quiet <laughs> Stephen, just pointing fingers at, at Texas. Come on, come on, let's get it on, and they got yeah, it on that sucked. day. Yeah, we did. Texas sucks, so, man. That's why guys are pissed off. <laughs> So you have this, you have this wonderful college career, all these great memories, and and, and um, mm-hmm. you didn't get the chance to play in the National Football League. What what was that like to have you know at first reconciling that? Eh, you know, it kind of sucked, you know, you know, because you know if, if you didn't if I didn't get hurt, who knows, you know, who knows what you know, you know, I would have been successful, maybe I would have been a bust, who knows, you know what I'm saying? But you know, life goes on, and you know, and you know, I'm not one of them. Cry with spilt milk. You just gotta, you know, pull your boots up and just keep keep going on and you know enjoying life and enjoy the good times that you have with you know as a hurricane. Well, you had that experience last May second when Stephen got put into the UM Sports oh, Hall of Fame. That yeah, was a definitely. great great honor for him too. And fortunately, he he invited me as a guest and Caesar as a guest, and that was a great yeah. night, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was an excellent night, man. I, I, I was hoping to go back this year. I mean, I, I, was, I was ready to go back, but everything got canceled. So, you know, 
I don't know when they're going to do it again um, coming up, you know. I was looking forward to coming down there again. Yeah. All right, so. Like you said, Bruce. Go ahead. Uh, so, um, yeah, so football's over at, at that point in your life, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. decide uh, you, you ended up becoming a police officer in New York City. And um, tell us about how you ended up going in that direction and, and, and the process that was involved in, 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 in getting into the police force. Well, my mother, <laughs> she told me to come down and, and take the test. I was like, well, I don't want to come down there and be, you know, a cop in New York City, you know. Yeah, I just come down and take the test. You know, you ain't doing nothing. So, you know, I was teaching at the time in in, in, uh, in Broward County. So my mother said, "Come down and take the test." So I go down there and take the test. I pass, and you know, and go through the academy, and you know, and they say, you know, we, um, they say they got a football team. I said, "All right, you know, let me try for the football team." You know, and <laughs> go home your host. Somebody saw an article on me, you know, I guess they remember me from college football. And, you know, you know, they got me on the team and I started playing and, you know, it kind of took some of the years off, you know, as far as being the same monotony of just going through, you know, being a cop, you know, a bunch of great guys on NYPD football team. And, uh, you know, we won like three national championships with the National Public Safety Football League at that time. And it was fun, you know, and it kept me in shape a little bit. And, you know, and and, and I had a great time, you know. But being being a cop, it, it was fun. It's stressful at times. Like now, you know, with all the stuff going on, you know, 9-11, when I came through, I was in the 9-11 class, you know. We did close to nine months inside the academy at that time. And now, you know, I'm about to retire, going through this coronavirus. So, you know. This is New York City, you know. This is this is where everything happens. So you know, I, I'm not mad. You know, I'm happy. I'm about to retire and hopefully come back down to the state of Florida and retire and live good. You know. So what what's it been like being a, a police officer in New York City? Uh, probably might be the toughest job in in the country, really, for if, for police. Uh, you know, with all the things that go on in New York and, and the number of people and the different, just the different elements that you have to deal with, you know, from a wide range of, of, of perspectives and stuff in, in New York. Tell us about what that's been like. It's been exciting. You know, it, it, it's, it's a city, like I say, it's a city that never sleeps. And if you could think of it, it's going to happen. You know, anything, you know, shooting, stabbing, Domestic violence calls, you name it. You know, emotionally disturbed people. You, if you want to become a cop, here's the, the city to become a cop and and learn to be, you know, to handle all all types of situations. You know, cops out here, you know, they go out here to do their job, and you know, I don't think no cop I will come out. I don't think no cop. The United States wants to come out here and, and shoot anybody at that time. Remember, all the cops were shooting a lot of African Americans. You know, it was just things things that happen in life. You know, but you know, New York City is it, NYPD has been great to me. No issues. A lot of great guys, and you know, my time is coming to an end. You know, how many so, times have you had to use a gun? How many I times have you? Had, 
Zero, right, Steve? Never, zero. <laughs> zero. He's never had zero. A, never had a shoot a bullet. Never. That's a, that's, nah, that's never. That, that's awesome. Um, never. have you ever been scared? Yeah, oh, definitely. You know, you, you, you know, I, I, I worked meat nights for like 16 years, and you know, there's always a couple of situations where you run into you know, people who just started shooting, and you don't know where the bullet's coming from. You don't know who who has the gun, and you know, people just started running. And what do you do? You know, if somebody's shooting, aren't you going to run too? You know, so you know, it, it's it's crazy. You know. Believe you me, there's stories behind stories of of, of craziness of NYPD that goes on. What's your most amazing one? What's your most amazing story? Oh, I got to think about that one, man. <laughs> but you know what? I just got, I just came out of the academy. I was like maybe six months out of the academy, and I was – I was involved. I wasn't involved. I was like two minutes away from a, a cop got shot in the chest, you know, and, and he worked in my precinct, you know, and, and we were right there. And we, you know, we handcuffed the guy, we went to court and everything. The guy's doing me, I think the guy's doing like 70 years now. But that was my first, I'll, I'll never forget that, you know. You know, man, when I seen that, the cop got shot right there in, in his chest. It was like a minute away. And we, and we arrived on the scene, you know, we, we shut it down, handcuffed the guy, and, and you know, thank God that, you know, the cop lived. You know, you know, but you were mostly in Brooklyn, weren't you? Yeah. Mostly Probably. in Brooklyn, not in Manhattan, and recently in Manhattan. Something recently about, in Manhattan, yes. Yeah, but mostly in, in Brooklyn, which is, was no prize back then either. Yeah, yeah, it's changing now, so, you know. Where I work at now is totally changing. You know, it's, you know, it's, you know, not you, you got five million dollar houses over there now. You know, but crime is still crime. You know, people, you know. So you're getting ready to retire. Yes. Um, when when's your retirement date? Officially, seven eleven two thousand twenty one. Wow. <laughs> And you're gonna move to Florida like all the other New Yorkers, aren't you? Yeah, I might do one extra year. I don't know yet. <laughs> one extra year? Yeah, I, I might. It all depends what's going on with this coronavirus crap. That's true. <laughs> so what? Hey, what's retirement gonna look like? Tell us where where are you gonna live? Where do you think you're gonna live? Um, I, I assume it's gonna be in South Florida. I don't know about South Florida, man. South Florida too, too. Too hectic. I had to go up like maybe West Palm Beach or something like that. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, South Florida. <laughs> well, you could still you, you could still come down and and eat at Sicilian oven. Oh. Um, you know, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce is always buying right at Sicilian here. oven, yeah, and um, right. <laughs> and you can get you know get a get a couple good meals in and uh, watch he the game and football. I took him to Sicilian. He did go right there. <laughs> yeah, I was there. He was coming to Canes and Hard Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm looking forward to, you know, just to sit back and enjoy and, and, and relax, watch the Hurricanes play, and you know, hopefully they'll get back to that dominant stage again, you know. Well, they're, they're going to an up-tempo spread, Stephen. Um, yeah. You know, uh, what, what do you what do you think of that? You're a football guy. Uh, what do you think of the up-tempo spread? Oh, well, they say the quarterback is, is pretty good. At it. What's, what's the dude named King? 
Yeah, De'Ara King. King. Yeah, De'Ara King. Yeah. Very athletic. Yep. He's very athletic, so that's what we need. You know, and, and we always got the talent as far as running backs and wide receivers. It's, it's just the offensive line. That's going to be the key. You know, that's always the key. You know, without them, you know, we ain't going anywhere. You know, and, and it's going to be tough. You know. It's been you know seventeen long years, man. It's been uh, you know uh, good, good 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 thing for you. You've been up in New York working because uh, for those of us down here in South Florida, uh, it's been uh, it's been a long seventeen after all the years we got to watch guys like you out there and the te- the great teams and the national titles and um, you know Miami hasn't really been relevant for about seventeen of them now. Uh, what? What's it been like? You you talk to all these former players. What what's it been like for you guys to to just see the program kind of drift around like the way it's been? It's frustrating, you know. So we were talking, like I said, I was talking to Lamar and and, and Kelvin earlier this week, and it's frustrating because you know we talk about the talent, and these guys got talent. I don't know if it's in the heart, you know. I don't know what it is. I don't know how they practice. You know, it's just, you know, are they just giving themselves, giving guys the position, the starting position, and, and instead of making these guys work for it, you know? Who knows what's going on, you know? I mean, the, the talent is there. Miami always have talent, you know? You just got to get it out, and you got to get these guys going, you know? Uh, what, uh, what made – I mean, obviously, you guys always had – great players and things like that, but not everybody would have been a four or five star today. I mean, one of the things that I thought made Miami great through the years was just the little things, the intangibles, the work ethic. And and another thing that I think really went unnoticed a lot was the level of coaching that you guys had. Um, you know, everyone get, gets so distracted by the great players and there were obviously a whole lineup of them. Um, but there were some pretty good coaches that came through Miami as, as well. Yes. And uh, it kind of just all came together, didn't it? Yes. I mean, you, you had, you had, I know when, when I got there my freshman year, I had coach Davis and coach wants that, you know, I had a uh, coach on the road who's running the, uh, who's running the scout team at that time. And we mm-hmm. had coach Keith Foster, Keith, Keith Armstrong, he's the, um, I think he's a, a special teams coach for the Atlanta Falcons, I think, or Tampa Bay right now. And mm-hmm. then we had Coach Tupperville, you know. Um, who else? You know, that last Randy staff, Cannon, who, who was, yeah, that Randy last Cannon Jimmy was like Johnson staff was, inc- it was incredible. It absolutely was incredible. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then right. they left. You know? They left, Stephen. They all left. Yep. Like what? Left. What went through? Tell us what Coach went Jackson through your mind me. at that point. You know me. I just I fell in love with the school. I didn't fell in love with the coaches because remember I tell you I, I wasn't heavily recruited, so I didn't know none of the coaches at that time. But when you know when Coach Brodsky left, you know and, you know it, it, it kind of hurt a little. You know I didn't know what I was getting involved in. You know with, with Coach Alex Woods, but you know he turned out to be a great great coach, you know, he's still coaching to this day, you know. Um, yeah, his staff, he had uh, Coach Erickson bringing his staff, Coach Barkowski, um, who else? Uh, coach Calm, who passed away, Coach Dave Arnold, you know, um, who else? Come on, Bruce, does you know nobody else? 
Um, yeah, his memory's long, 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 long yeah. gone. <laughs> it all, it all kind of runs together. But um, you know, the one thing I, 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 I just thought of that I would want to ask you is, obviously, you know, Dennis came in, and things went great for the first three years, won two national titles. Mm-hmm. But, but then, then Dennis started to, you know, he lost it a little bit. And and it, you started seeing that a steady little decline there the last couple of years, and then he finally went to the to, to the Seahawks. Um, but as a guy that was in the the guy that was in the program, did you see little things starting to slide a little bit, or or, or was it kind of invisible to you guys? It was kind of invisible. I mean, but then you know you start to see little things that you know as coaches, you know, I guess you know I came back to see some other guys at that time. Guys would get a little bit more complacent, you know, and you know, they, you know, it wasn't finishing up and you know, sprinting, going the way through, you know, being lackadaisical at practice, you know, and um, and, and in the show, and, and you know, when we lost that game against uh, the Huskies at home, you know, mm-hmm. that hurt, you know, <laughs> you know. It's hard yeah, to I say think on they top, also, though, after that it? Cotton Bowl win, they started, the NCAA started in with them with all the rule changes, and I guess, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these guys maybe got a little too full of themselves. Yeah. That's, I think that's what happened. They got a little too full of themselves. But the one thing that, that I, I Gary was talking about a few minutes ago, and I just, this is the last thing I have, is that we knew back then when you guys lost, the following week's opponent was dead. Yeah. And, and we knew that if you played a bad game, the following opponent was in trouble, whether mm-hmm. home or on the road, because you were part of that streak. But nowadays, I can't even tell you. And I'm sure Gary could tell you the same thing. From one game to the next, I have no idea what's going to happen. One half to the next, one quarter you. to the next, one series to the next. They are, they've been so inconsistent for these last 17 years, for the most part, that it, it's, it's, it's frustrating for the fans. To me, that's the worst of it all. You don't even know what Miami's going to do anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how we go from losing to FIU, you figure that, okay, you lose at FIU, you come out, and you're going to go kick some ass against Louisiana Tech. Or right? Duke. Yeah, exactly. Or Duke, yeah, which was the last Duke. game of the season, I think, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. I'm, yeah, Duke or Duke, FIU, Louisiana Tech, who cares, you know? Those are things that shouldn't be on the field with us, you know? And, 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 and we lose those games, you know? Yeah, well, last coaching? year put me over the edge. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, it's just you know, been watching it for 17 years, and I started to see this thing getting away in the middle of the season last mm-hmm. year, and I saw where it was going, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Worse and worse. And and man, you lose to FIU and Louisiana Tech. Yeah. At the end of the, I mean that that is just unforgivable. It's unforgivable. I mean it's it's just unforgivable. Yeah. So they've made some moves to Manny's credit. Um, he you know it was as rough of a first year as you could ever expect to have, but he's he's he you know he he didn't go into denial about it. He didn't sit there and say I've got this. I, everything I'm doing is mm-hmm. is right. He he made staff changes that he needed to make. He he brought in a couple really high quality transfers and now they're going to go out uh this year and, and try to be better. The schedule is very favorable, Stephen, and um I really think this can be a 9-win team this year. I really do and um and I think if he gets to 9, I think Manny will get to go to year 3. Um so, you know, that that's what they're they're obviously shooting for. I mean, I'm sure they're thinking 12 and 0, but I'm not sure that that's reality. Mm-hmm. You're coming in from six and seven. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I don't know if you're going to make that kind of jump all in one, but the schedule is very, very, very soft. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But hopefully the days will get better for the Hurricanes and you've beaten the coronavirus. You know, just like you beat out of FSU all those years, you've knocked this damn virus out, (laughs) it looks like. And um, they're going to be banging down your door soon to get you back to work so that the streets in New York are a safe place. And it's all good in the life of Stephen McGuire now. So, you know, thank you so, so much for spending this time with us today on on reflections and uh we'll uh we'll have you on at some point down the road on uh Kane Sport Live again. Right. I'd love to hear your, your no thoughts problem. on how things are going. And so for Bruce Warner, I'm Gary Furman. Uh we thank Stephen McGuire once again and thank we'll you. see you next time everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.